Hey everybody, Shell Broadnax here with another episode of Stager Talk. And I am super stoked today because I have the great pleasure to introduce you to the fabulous Jason Saft, the staging big daddy of Brooklyn. How are you? I'm doing good, Shell. Good to see you. Good to see you. So I'm super excited because I just met you last year. I met you at Resacon last year. At Resacon, year. and I'm very excited. I like the day the tickets went up, I got mine and I'm ready to go and I'm excited to see everybody there. It's quite a, it's quite an event. Like, and I feel like an event is almost an, an understatement of what it is. The show, man. <laughs> Full on production. It is. No, I mean, it's, I was so blown away at the scale of it, you know, cause it's also, you learn, it's a very small team doing this, right? Yeah. Like all the thought and time that goes into it, the programming, just being able to meet so many people across the country. Um, I made so many friends, so many people I keep in touch with. And I, I learned so much more than I thought I would like, I had an expectation and it just blew it out of the water. So I'm super I love excited. it when I hear that. And, you know, last year was um, July, 2022. So it was the first year of being in person after COVID or as we were coming out of COVID. So um, we were at about half capacity. So you can imagine a full on. We're going to be a full on. Everyone's coming. We're going for it because we're, we're hearing so much buzz about it. And not only do people get the benefit of the sessions and by the way, we're not sure what happened, but thank y'all. Uh, the sessions this year, we normally run three sessions, three topics at a time. So you can choose from one of the three. This year, we had so many amazing people submit content. We're like, we can't turn, there's no way we can turn this down and turn it away. So we we put full throttle into it. And now we're running four sessions at a time. Awesome. And we're going to record them. So if people, you can obviously, you can only go to one um, and you can only go to one every year that you're there, but you can use the add-on feature to add on the recordings if you're interested in that. And three keynote speakers. And I don't know if anybody has started to Google our keynote speakers, but you should. Um, uh, David Averin, his his third time speaking, he's absolutely amazing, totally captivating, very, very smart, gives you things that you can actually use immediately afterwards. Terry Watson, I've known Terry since like 2003. I met him at a women's council local chapter meeting in the San Francisco Bay area in 2003. And he changed my life, totally changed my life and um, love him. It's his third time speaking at Risa Con awesome. he's got so much knowledge. And uh, Michelle Villalobos, I just recently met her um, through a referral from the board of directors. And man, this girl's got it going on. She's going to talk about sales for service and um, a lot about what I've been teaching people recently about you know, their sales, a lot of new stagers get into this thinking, I have to close every single deal. And I'm like, no, mm -mm, mm -mm, you don't want that because every single deal is not going to be your ideal client. You, you can run into a PETA, people ignore the red flags. And Michelle's going to walk everybody through an actual workshop um, to be able to develop some dialogue to A, interview your person, your potential client, make sure they're a right fit for you. Because I teach people all the time, why are you allowing yourselves to be interviewed by potential clients? Flip, flip that script around, interview yeah. them. You know, you're seeking great clients and this is what you're looking for. It's a totally different dynamic. So she's going to talk about that as well. Um, and to your topic, I love your topic because it's building your brand by design. Can you tell everybody exactly what that's going to be? Yeah, so it focuses on a few different things that over the last, you know, sort of like 20 years within real, that started in real estate brokerage, it's sort of like always 
had staging as a part of it and was sort of my thing. And then over the last, you know, like seven years as I transitioned full into this, focuses on that. So it's a lot of strategic things in terms of figuring out your right clients, figuring out how to target those clients, understanding really who the clients are. I mean, it's something I always talk with newer people about is, you know, while oftentimes the the seller of the home is signing the agreement, your clients are really the real estate agents. And those relationships are what keeps this incredible pipeline of business going. Yeah. Um, and you sort of have to look at them both at the perspective of the client, even though one is not paying for your services. Um, also sort of looking at the design of your spaces and how that also can connect with the right people, the right price points. You know, and actually you said something um there was a call a couple months ago about you know the awards and some concerns some people have were like how do i compete against professional photography if i'm just doing this and you know with the awards and the like professional versus non-professional to me you know a lot of the photography that i use is photography that i'm paying for out of my pocket they're not necessarily the listing agents photos right. that i have permission to use or license and i think that's something else i'm going to get into like what you can actually use and what you can't. Um, because I believe that the imagery that you're creating, the way that you present, you want your portfolio of properties to show in the same way a real estate agent would say, here's my transaction history. Stagers also need to come at it from that perspective. Here's my transaction history. And to not be able to tell sellers, but to show sellers. And I'm yeah. really big, that sort of goes into the metric side of things. Um, again, from my real estate background, most of these sellers, while they want to think like, is this going to look good? They really want to know how much more money are you going to make for me? And that's something I really focus on. And I use the imagery to do that and to tell the story of here's where the property was. Here's where we took it. Here's the ROI on it. Um, and there have been a lot of times I recently shared a case study on the stage to sell home Instagram. I staged an apartment in a building that came on market two months after the exact apartment, one floor below it. And so in New York City, the standard average of a price escalation from floor to floor is between five and $10,000. Some people be really stingy and say it's a thousand, but so our apartment staged and it's the exact same apartment sold for $216,000 more in less than 60 days than the unstaged version. And I had a whole suite of photography and was able to show the side-by-side -side comparison and go through those numbers. And also, I'm comfortable enough to share what the client spent and what their actual return on investment was. And that's within my lookbook. Two identical apartments, same building, one unstaged, one staged. Apartment 409 came on the market. It was listed for $995,000. And it sold and closed at a million and five thousand dollars which sounds great. They sold for $10,000 over their ask. They didn't stage it. They didn't paint it. They didn't declutter it. I staged the exact same apartment. And our apartment sold for $1,221,900. $100. So that's an increase in value of almost 20%. Our sellers walked away with over $200,000 more than their downstairs neighbor for nothing more than a paint job and the staging that we brought into the apartment. And this is one of the best case studies that truly illustrates what people will pay for to see and live in a home they aspire to, that they look at on Instagram and in magazines. Beautiful design will absolutely motivate people to spend more money and increase the value of your home and increase your return on investment. And when I talk about like building your brand by design, 
you know, we often think of design and or, or building your brand as like the furniture and things, but it's also all of these other parts of it, the metrics, the case studies, how we showcase our work to people. And so I think it's just a really important thing, the final presentation of your work. Yeah, absolutely. The um, Barbara Corcoran said to me one time when I was interviewing her, the proof is in the pudding. And you got to you got to serve up the pudding. Got to make a delicious pudding and serve it in like a gorgeous glass. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's, so important. Oh. Uh, I think it's important when you do have a look, a branded curated look uh, f- for your style and it's still enough style that it can be over different styles of homes, but you still have a certain way to be able to do something. It's reliable. It's um, your standard, you know, it's what you're known for and people have an attraction to that. But I could not agree with you more that your brand is exactly what you said. It's about how do you present this? It's about your case studies. It's about your results. And you've, it's got, it's got to be the whole ball of wax. And when you make, it's like a big universe, you know, it all kind of fits together. And if one thing is out of whack, what's that saying? You're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. Everything's got to be top notch. Yeah. So those are a bunch of topics. I'm going to show sort of how I've created my pitch deck over the years and the metrics and the information that I show. And I'm going to talk a lot about why I do invest in photography and why I've started investing in video, um, which is, you know, like I was doing a lot of Tom Ferry stuff and a lot of, um, um, I'm forgetting the other real estate coach, but, you know, 10 years ago, they were all saying like video, 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 this is the way it's going to go. And there are a lot of people who were very early on in the real estate sphere, pioneering video, and now it's sort of becoming commonplace. And I think that's something really important that us as business owners need to start to invest. I mean, the amount of business, most of my new leads that I am able to turn into actual clients all come from social. Yeah. You know, a lot of things back in the day, I've been in this industry 21 years now. And back in the day, um, stagers, it, we we always encourage them to create things that the agents can use, provide the photo service, you know, be a one-stop shop. And I would say to be able to provide a beautiful video, marketing video that is even branded, co-branded that even you create as a stager, but you put out through social and you also allow the agents to have that gets the word out about you obviously gets the word out about the listing as well and they look so amazing yeah it's really important you know to and that's what i've moved into doing in the last year to look at each opportunity how do you market it how do you brand it how do you make it so that you're getting more eyes on you yeah how do you handle well let me ask you this in your area are all of the homes is the architectural look of all the homes is it really super similar with the listings that you happen to get or can they be vastly different they're so completely different um and that's it's you know because i'm in new york it just we run the gamut and i i also work the gamut i love you know taking on i just did a property i think it's one of my best things it's maybe 400 square feet um and it's interesting a lot of people think like come property what it's a whole property yeah, it's a studio. <laughs> I know. Everyone else around the country is like, what is he talking what? about? Like, that's our mudroom. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. You go from industrial to modern to these, you know, penthouses you see on television to complete wrecks to just generic post-war cookie cutter, you know, a box next to a box. And that's, you know, and part of what I'll talk about in my session too is also like diversifying your inventory because 
a lot of us are in markets where there's different types of housing stock and they connect to different types of buyers. You know, again, having a background in real estate, a lot of my staging comes from being the person that was taking buyers out who would say, if you showed them a picture of the facade of a building, might say, don't even bother bringing me to there. I don't want to see any white brick, you know, from 1960 onward. That's not my style. I don't want to see anything pre-war because that's not my style. And, you know, when you are acquiring inventory, I think in any market, you need to really think about that. You know, what is the style? How are they going to use this property? Especially, you know, maybe you're in a market in certain places in Florida where it's a lot of investors, a lot of vacation properties, and they look at things a little bit differently than someone who's purchasing it to raise their family and buy a house so their kids can go from kindergarten to college. Right. I think that's a a, a great point that you make because a lot of stagers, I think newer stagers, um, don't have such a healthy, expansive look on all the facets of the business where really knowing who's moving into that neighborhood. Because if you are in a certain neighborhood and you stage it the wrong way and you know it is a family moving in and they're going to want to raise their family here and put them all through the same school system and you're and it's not looking vacation rental beachy but that's you know in the neighborhood and you do right. it that way into the other it's just you're not attracting the right people right i think that's you know those are the mistakes that are good to make early on and early, learn the yeah. lesson from it but it's also like to go back to RizaCon. I think that's what's so interesting because there's also programming that really talks about, you know, styling for Airbnbs, um, Bobby doing occupied staging. Like there's all these experts in the field that are going to be there to really dive into all these topics to like, to me, if you're new in the business, like the one thing you have to do this year is go to Rizacom. Yeah. Because you're really going to like understand what maybe isn't crystal clear now and not just understand it, but get sort of the tools and the know-how to learn from the people who have built entire businesses with incredible pipelines of business um, and learn from them how they're doing that. Right. I think that's, you know, one thing I got through that and then through we're starting up the, the reason New York chapter here is, you know, everyone's at these different points in their business and you know, it, it's easy, I think, for someone experienced to say sort of what the rules are and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. But, you know, I remember those early days, which was not that long ago, where you're not sure, like, if you're going to be able to pay your rent or buy inventory. And you do you do take on the things that maybe now are red flags that you pass up. But I think you don't learn what the red flags are until it's too he, late, which yeah. in hindsight, as a business owner, I think you have to do. Like, I... You know, if you're in the reason like the Facebook groups, I think it's interesting because there's a lot of newer people asking these questions and there's a lot of people like Michelle Minch, you know, trying to help, but also telling people, listen, like some of this you, you have to figure out on your own and you have to figure it out because that is the only way that you can run, grow your business and see these red flags a mile away. Like there are times where people call me. And I ask them certain questions, but I know how to ask them the questions in a more conversational, roundabout way. Right. They'll give me a few pieces of information. And I say, I thank you so much for reaching out to me. Um, This is not going to be a match for me. Here's two other people, you know, that I know that are great, that maybe it might be a better fit for them. And I think that's also something important that really crystallizes at Rizacon is because you also start to meet other people in your markets and you start to realize like, not everyone is for you, but they may be for someone else. 
And it's really nice to know other people in your market where you can refer business to, not pass off a problem, but sometimes it's just, it's like dating, right? It's just not the right fit, but there may be a better fit for someone else. And you get these, you're able to start these relationships with people you don't know or didn't know of. um, And you create this little network. It's really great. Yeah, absolutely. I agree on the red flags as well is, uh, and we see them and a lot of us, you ignore them, but when, when you don't ignore it and it happened, and then you look back hindsight 2020 clearly, and you look back and you're like, okay, I learned that lesson. And once you learn the lesson, those red flags, if they show up again, you're going to identify it. Or some of them, they just don't show up again. It was there to literally teach you a lesson about your business. And the good thing about Resacon as well is that I want everybody to realize this. The people that are speaking at Resacon, all of us, we didn't just be, I'm going to age myself, always say bewitch. And then the young people are like, who? And I'm like, there was a movie. Watch some TV people. (laughs) So you don't bewitch yourself and wiggle your nose and you know, it all kind of happens. Um, I think that I'm losing my train of thought because I thought that was so funny when I was aging myself on it. But I I want you all to know that we've all made these mistakes and um, we just we weren't just born with this innate knowledge. I mean, a lot of you have a natural propensity towards something and something that resonates with you, of course. But all of us have had those red flags that we've ignored and then you learn the lesson and then you kind of move on. And that's the great thing about presenting at Resacon is that you've got all the knowledge of all this whole collective of professionals that are there to support you. And when somebody signs up to speak at Resacon, the, I'm not paying you to speak at Resacon, Jason, and you're giving back from the kindness of your soul. Wait, you're not? Um, yeah. Did oh, you, I'm oh, sick. <laughs> check is not in the mail. Check's not in the mail. Um, so they're giving really from their hearts because they genuinely want to see people succeed. And I know you mentioned Michelle Minch and there's so many people, wonderful people in our Facebook groups that are there to help you. But the bottom line is this, is that you can learn a lot from people and their anecdotal stories, but the stories that are going to teach you the most is your own experience. Um, I couldn't agree more and do it. I remember a story, an old cowboy told me once when I was really down on myself, when I was learning how to ride and I was just saying, man, I suck and this is bad and I'm afraid and you know, all these things. And he he looked at me and he's like, are you serious? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, man, I don't know what you're talking about. You're not a bad rider at all. Shell. He's like, you just need a little bit more time in the saddle to gain your confidence. And once you get your confidence, you can fly and you can do whatever it is. It's the same thing in business. It's like shampoo, rinse, repeat. You've just got to keep doing it and putting yourself out there. Um, I also loved what you said about the referrals. That's what Michelle Villalobos is going to talk about. And I love what you're saying too, because I interview clients as well for potential clients in my barn business. And if it's not a right fit, it's like, you know, hey, we're not a right fit for you. I don't think we're going to be the right company. That's what exactly you're going to need. But I know somebody. They respect you so much more for doing it than just saying, you know, I'm going to decline the job and hang up on them. You know, refer them out, make friends. And it's so much easier when you have your local network of stagers that you can refer business to, because if they do the same thing and they are talking with a client and it's not a right fit for them, they're going to say, you know what, Jason, actually, I think it's going to be a really good fit for what you're looking for. Let me refer you to him. Yeah. And I think also, you know, it's, I, I went to the first New York chapter meeting and I met um, someone who has a company here. He and his wife have started their business. They were a little bit quiet and I'm sort of turning, I'm turning down as much as I'm taking on. And so I'm referring it out. And I had someone who really wanted me to do a project 
in a different state, but that's very close. And it was really interesting, but it's peak season here. And it's, you know, I'm going six, seven days a week. And they told me about some of their stuff and I was able to just refer them. They're getting the job. And it, it just feels good because it's also like, I hate to say you may need something, but who knows? Like there may come a day where maybe like your piece of furniture and install broke, you don't have a backup. You form those relationships and you you help people when you need something like they'll come through for you. And I, I, I think that's, you know, one of the things I was so impressed with just meeting all these other people who knew each other already at Rizacon and hearing these stories. And even a few weeks ago, I was in California. And so I reached out to Michelle and I reached out to Robin and I was like, Hey, how about I, like I was in LA and I was like, I'll come out to Pasadena. Would love to see you guys. And so Michelle was running a little bit late and there was someone else in her market who needed help with like bookshelves and stuff. And she ran over there and was helping him. And I thought it was such a great, it, it's such a great community of people, but it, you have to get involved to, to see that. Yeah, that's true. Um, we do have an, a wonderful network of people. When um, we started Risa, it was yeah. because the, we didn't have an industry back then. We just had everybody right. just doing their own thing. And we desperately needed unity and we needed to be formally organized. And fast forward 16 years later, we, you, Risa is now your trade association. We are formally organized. This is your legitimacy. And to be able to get involved, um, you get, you reap all these benefits. I mean, can you just imagine if like you're down something or something breaks and you're like, ah, and you go in the Facebook group and you post, I need this, or you call somebody and they're saying, you know what, we just happen to be driving by or we're 20 minutes away. I've got one in my truck. I'll bring it over to be able to have that type of support. I don't know a lot of other businesses that have that type of a network. And here's the other thing. People that compete. I'm a huge competitor. Huge. I love competition, but I like a healthy competition. If you beat me and you didn't cheat, I am the first person to say, well done. Congratulations. I'm not a sore loser. Um, but when you have all these other people refer, you know, your competitors in the local market, they're colleagues. Yeah. Think of them as colleagues instead of competitors. It just takes the sting out of it. And when you really get to know everybody, you can go bid a job at 10 a.m. Someone else can go bid that same job at 1130. And by one o'clock, you can meet at Panera Bread and have some lunch and talk about it. You really can. It doesn't just because somebody else gets a job and you didn't that time. You, you don't have to be hating on them. It doesn't have to damage your relationship. It's like, eh, you win some, you lose some. And I find more people when you have that type of attitude they flourish. It's the yeah. ones that are get so upset and you didn't get the job because that's what they're focusing on is on what they didn't get right. and the negative of it instead of just being grateful and living with some gratitude and some positivity. The mindset yeah. on this is just crucial. I was just going to say, it's definitely a mindset thing. And I think obviously, listen, a lot of it comes with age and experience. Like, True. you know, you can't really tell as old as I am, but I, I've learned over the years, like there's there's so much business out there if you want it. Right. And again, like someone who's newer might be like, what is he talking about? There's so much business. Like I haven't gotten a call in two weeks, but that's, those are the things and the steps that you need to go through and figure out, right. And, and build this like healthy, robust business that's attracting the right kind of people and all these things. And then you do realize there is enough. And that viewpoint of competition switches, like sometimes they're the right fit. Sometimes you're the right fit, but if you're doing all your stuff and you're minding your business and you're building the best thing that you can, there's always business out there, up market, okay. down market, whatever it is like there's, and that's something too, I'm going to touch on is, you know, the pivot of markets, right? Like we went through 
you know, this horrific period where everything just stopped. And I think one of the things that got me through the pandemic were those like those early on calls where, you know, a lot of people in other markets were saying like things have opened up and I've never been busier. And we were in New York and we were still shut down. And it's terrifying when you have all that inventory sitting, you have people who aren't working, you have no idea what's going to go on, what's happening. And especially here, people were leaving New York in droves. Right. Um, But I realized in that period, what ended up happening was I, I noticed that, you know, these were high net worth individuals that left their Manhattan apartments for their big country houses an hour or two hours away. But we were living in this period where people weren't even coming back to the city for their stuff. So I would go walk a project. There would still be dishes in the sink, the dry cleanings on the door. Um, People didn't think they were going to go to their house and then not come back into the city because there was this fear, like you would go into Manhattan, get contaminated and kill your whole family. Like that, that was sort of like to boil it down was like, and so I sort of realized like, Hmm, these people need like a move manager right now. And I don't have anything to do. Right. Like, I'm free. So like, I just started saying like, okay, I'll just take care of it. Like, so all these things need to happen. This needs to get here. This needs to get donated. This needs to get thrown out. And then we're going to come in and turn over the property. And it got me through the pandemic. And then it was, you know, you realize in this period when there was all this fear and people didn't know what was going to happen, there was this real need to ensure that the properties were absolutely at their highest and best use and look phenomenal because the odds were so low that they would get sold. And so all of a sudden, I just poured everything I had into like one property at a time thinking like this could be my last job. And all of a sudden, my metrics started growing and then the market shifted. And then we were able to sort of change the narrative on our marketing was instead of this like this time of fear, it's like if your property is going to transact here and you can invest this, you can get this out of it. And most of these people, it's a very smart investment. And that's what they're looking at. Can I make more? So it's like, why walk away from money? And that was sort of like, you know, you just start to ride the wave and pivot your business, your marketing, your dialogue, your newsletters, your social content, instead of like, isn't this pretty or here's a listing, you talk about what you're doing and what it's getting these people as a result. And all that content, you know, if you're synced up with the market, with the agents in your market, they're sending that to the sellers. Like you can get to a point where you don't need to necessarily negotiate on price or even have to pitch your services because all of your output is covering all of the things that they're really concerned about. Like they're not concerned about what color throw pillows are you going to use? Yeah. When you prep your clients correctly and, you know, you really interview them. And I I like what, when you said that you were really asking them questions before you take them on as clients, because you got to make sure you're meeting all of their needs. And if you do get those red flags where somebody is concerned about those types of pillows might not be your right client that you're looking for. But let me ask you this. Do you find a difference when you're talking between men and women your approach on how they receive data with regard to how much money they make versus how, what it's going to look like? Um, I wouldn't say for me a difference in gender, but I would say there's a difference in profession. And so there's a lot of people in financial services here. So whether it's male or female, um, that's sort of the difference is I find people who are in financial services, wealth management, that's all they want to know. Like, what is this going to cost? What is the, 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 give me the, the days and give me some sort of metrics. And I, you know, I was explained to people, listen, I can't 
tell you, I'm going to go in and do this and your property is going to go from here to there, but I can show you 300 examples of where it has happened. Here's what we do. And here are all the things that increases. It increases lead generation. It increases the opportunity for press. The more leads you have, the more people through, the more opportunity you have for better and stronger offers. If you leave something empty, all you're doing is putting a spotlight on every flaw. If you moved out of a home and there's scratches on the floor, on the walls, you're just telling buyers, like, we left. It's and used. Now, like, this is used and you have to fix it. I want my price here as a premium, but I'm not marketing it as a premium, right? Someone who goes through this process, paints stages, touches up their floors, makes it the most desirable thing. They're increasing the odds of a better buyer and a better and stronger offer. And I think, you know, there's also the intangible of, you know, here we've had several properties um, where they're not just selling for more in a shorter period of time, but they're get the owners or soon to be former owners are getting letters from people saying like, you tell me what you want. You tell me your terms, you dictate everything and you've got it. And that is something that, you know, you can't always show through metrics. And for a lot of people who are really busy professionals or have a large family, the idea of I can make more money, get this done faster, and I'm going to call the shots is such a huge thing. Because if you're not calling the shots and you've left the property in a certain way, you've given that leverage to the buyer. They're calling the shots. So while it may cost, let's say, $1,000 to fix something, they're going to multiply that by 10. If you're leaving an old kitchen, unrenovated, hasn't been touched, they're going to make that renovation cost so high. But like we go in and we do a lot of cosmetic work. We'll paint the cabinets. We change out the hardware. I don't do anything that requires a permit. But what I've learned through you know the 20 years of brokerage is not everyone wants to renovate right away. Not everyone knows how to renovate. Not everyone has the budget to do it. But if yep. you can clean something up, if you can make it look new, if you can make it feel fresh, which is a very inexpensive, like all the DIY types of things I did on apartments, you know, when I was younger and struggling and starting out, you do that in your properties. And now all of a sudden you're removing those fears, those concerns, those, those sort of hesitation to make an offer. You you widen the audience of who's going to submit offers to you because you do have people who immediately see something that is dated and say, no, I'm not doing it, or I want it at this. But if, and again, this goes back to really, really good professional photography. We have a cosmetic checklist. We do a lot of cosmetic work. We check off all those boxes. We get it ready before it's on market. And then you photograph it beautifully and people see that. And that just sort of like the brain switches. And I often talk about, you know, there's also this thing where, if a property is just sort of left as is, usually empty, hasn't been painted, lighting is wrong, light bulbs are wrong, again, very cheap things to fix. People walk in and say, this is a gut job. I don't have the bandwidth for a gut job. I don't have the time for a gut job. I don't want to deal with the co-op, you know, here too, because it's a lot of co-ops and condos, everything has to go through a review process. It's a bit arcane. I don't want to deal with that. I don't have the time to deal with that. And my thing is like, let's deal with that now. So we remove that and we make all of those people who would say no, say, let me come in and take a look. Yeah. It's always fascinating to me because um, when homeowners are resistant to stage and do the things, even the condition, you know, before you stage it and fixing these things, it baffles me because it's like, that's the, that's your equity. 
your literal equity is in your hand right now. And you are just opening a window and just letting it fly yeah. out of your hands instead of taking control of it. I could, I just could never understand. It's like, for me, it's like, there's a right way to sell a home and there's a wrong way to sell a home. Now, granted, you can put lipstick on a pig. It's still going to be a pig, but if it's the, the property, it's, so it's going to be a pretty big, <laughs> if it's so bad, then, you know, a reputable stager is going to say, look, instead of investing in staging, invest in fixing these countertops or invest in new flooring, do that and take your chances. If that's your only budget that you have, get that part of it done. Um, or sometimes the homes are just where a, an investor is going to buy it because they're going to flip it. And then they're going to use a stager when they're done flipping it. So if, right. if somebody just wants to get out of it and they're not interested in in you know less time on the market or any more money and the, the property, the condition is one of which an investor would want it, they buy it, they fix it. They're going to make all the money. They're going to invest a little bit in staging and and they're going to gain all that equity, which could have been somebody that the previous. Yeah. Company. And I, I talk about that a lot with you, but I think also what's interesting that we're sort of touching on is, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying, but also as you get more experience and we talk about red flags and I'm really big on efficiency and time management yeah. um, because I wouldn't be able to execute my properties in the way that I do if I went to every you know, meeting that I get a phone call on. What I have learned though, and what I've said to free myself up, sometimes I get calls from people. And when I ask questions, okay, and when did they purchase the house? Oh, they purchased it in 1974. Got it. Okay. Okay. And it looks like this. Okay. And they're retiring to Florida. Oh, and they're, they're quite wealthy. And sometimes you learn when you ask the right questions, because again, it's easy to take sort of that idea of this is the way it should be. But then you realize someone is 85 years old. Mm -hmm. And they've owned this house for 40, 50 years. They paid this much for it and it's worth this much. And I've had to say to some people, like, don't, don't push them, right? And you don't need to bring me in. They're sort of setting their boundaries with you. They didn't buy it two years ago at the peak of the market. They're not, you know, a young family in need of for a college fund. Like they're about to make millions of dollars. Yeah, they're going to make enough. The difference of another 200,000, while it might sound nice, some people's lives can't be interrupted. They can't handle that. They're living there. It just So I think that's one of those things, like, again, there's these like big sweeping rules and these ways we should do it. But sometimes when you ask those questions, yeah. you also start to realize, because I, I look at that from, okay, for me to leave this project, to go there, meet with them, that's an hour. To write out a proposal, that's an hour. So I'm giving six hours of time. But six hours of time is enough for me to walk another property pull the contents of it and come close to installing the entire thing. So do I want to go meet someone where I'm not going to get paid or do I want to do a job where I can do the entire job in that same time frame, or work on a bigger project or work with my team on something or catch up on my business? And I think, you know, a lot of it goes back to like asking the right questions and realizing you know, your, your time is equally as valuable. And I think, especially when you're starting out, it's hard to realize that because you're worried, you know, what if I don't get this job? Is there going to be another one? But sometimes you waste times on things where it's not going to happen. Right. And you could put that time into something where there's a lot higher odds, but that goes to asking those questions to understand where are these people coming from? Yeah. And I think we established earlier, it's good when you do some of those things up front. So you learn, you've got to learn, you're going to, all, everybody's always going to do it. Everybody's always going to make a pricing mistake. We're always going to 
bend on something when we're first starting. Those that's how you're getting your knowledge. That's how you're getting your experience to make those mistakes up front. But you just can't can't do them all the time. There's got to be an yeah. end to learn it and then say, okay, I'm re- I'm recognizing that. And then you kind of move on from it. Um, let's switch gears. We just got a couple minutes left, but um, awards are happening right now. And Jason, best luxury vacant home stager, twenty twenty two. First first time entering, yes. Uh, not my first time entering. No. No. I'd entered before, but I didn't. You know, I didn't win. So. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. No, I'm like, yeah. No, I'm very, still, I was very surprised. Second time entering. Okay. I was, it was funny. You. The people at my table were like, they called your name. Get up. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was kind of in shock. I was not expecting it. Yeah. We, we hear that a lot with people. And um, the good news is, is that, you know, each category, there's a top 10. So there's 10 people that are featured. And then you, we have the winner in each category. So right now we are still taking submissions. Um, I know April we're going to put the deadline. April 25th. I got my reminder. people. I haven't done mine yet, but I'm I'm working on it. Be done. One of the one of the best ways to market yourself is to get yourself a top ten somewhere. But I will uh, say, here's my piece. You got to read the rules. Read the rules. Read the rules. Read the rules. If you don't understand the rules, ask about the rules. If there's the good thing, we do have a peer review committee. Just so everybody realizes, where we go through the first sweep, looking for rules violations. And if there is a rules violation, you're going to get an email saying, hey, we think this is a rules violation. We think this is what it is. Let's talk about it, verify that it is. And then you have an opportunity to replace it because the membership hasn't seen it to vote on it. So there's still time to correct the entry. Um, So one of the biggest rules thing is the before photos um, in a vacant should be an empty room. We're trying to show a transition. Nothing Nothing in it. No, no keys. And no I was shocked on the floor. And just so we know, I didn't make the rules about the keys on the folders and everything. I do agree with it. And I have to support the decision for sure. But it made sense because literally when you go to like other types of awards and things, the legitimacy of them all is they have very strict rules. And the reason we're tightening up these things over the years is because this is representing the staging industry, people. We don't want to show crap out, out in the world. And, you know, if the before photo, we want to show reality. And so when you do an occupied, you want to show how the owners had it before, not after you've come in and it's been a little bit of disarray. We want to show exactly what that is. And then with the vacant, it's got to be completely empty to completely filled. And the reason, again, is because this is representing the industry. People are looking at these that are not stagers, they're homeowners, there's there's agents, there's brokers, there's everybody else in the industry that's looking at it. And we want to represent the industry well and really show what can be done. So that's why we tightened up those rules. But let me say, one of the best ways to be able to market yourself. So check out homestagingindustryawards.com if you want to enter. Any final words before we wrap up? I'm excited to see everyone in a couple short months at right. Resicon. It's going to be great. I'm very excited for it. And I'm going to stay. I'm I'm trying to make sure I can stay for market after. I've never been. So And I'd love to go with everybody. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, market is great. So the um, when Risa ends the very next day, we go over to market. And usually um, in the past, we've had about half the attendees that had never been to market before. And so they go on a market tour. It's free for Risa members to be able to go on this. So sign up when you register. Actually, I don't even know if we're signing up. Anyway, if there's a question, answer the question if you want to go to market. But if for some reason there's not, we'll have all the information there to be able to I go. do have one piece of advice. Yeah. 
<laughs> and this may be different because we're it's at a different place. But it's so funny. I've I've never been to Las Vegas. I've never been to the area. But like you know, I looked at the weather and I was like, oh my god, it's like nine thousand degrees. So I'll like bring all light clothes. And I I didn't see it in the thing, but you know, it says like you got to bring a sweater because it is so cold in the hotel. <laughs> yes. I, I was sitting in those classes, like with my teeth chattering, like it does. We do, we do put some tips out for y'all. So one of the tips, he is correct. Dress in layers. Dress in layers. Bring a sweater. It's hot outside. If you need to go outside and you want to, you know, warm up for a minute or you know, take a smoke break or a drink or whatever you're doing, and um, then you come back in and you're a little chilly again, you're going to want to put something back on. So (laughs) it is always hot and cold. We try to get the balance right. Um, I no hotels ever nailed it. So it's just one of those things. It is what it is, but that is what I would like to leave everyone with. <laughs> yeah. Bring a light sweater, bring a light sweater. <laughs> and the good news is too, is that most of the time we are actually on the inside, um, of the hotel, which is clearly very air conditioned. So you don't have uh, you're not, you know, sweating and pouring sweat or anything along those lines. And most of the events were off strip as well. So the events in the evening uh, for the first two nights are there at the actual hotel that we're at. So there's really no reason to be able to need to leave the, the uh, complex at all. So it works out really, really well. And the M resort, we all know last year we had to go to the Hilton. We didn't have a choice because I couldn't get my dates rebooked at the M the M resort is our official home for Risa Con. Um, they are our boots on the ground. They know the program shampoo, rinse, repeat. They do an amazing job, killer food, um, lovely space, great restaurants, um, just a really nice venue. So if you are on the fence about heading to RisaCon, I'm going to repeat myself. Like I say, at the end of every single one of my stager talks, jump off that fence, run to your computer, don't walk and sign up. You can't really afford not to go. Can't afford not to go. And it's an investment. Jason said it early. This is an investment into you and your, into your business. And it's a tax write-off because it's a business expense. And you're going to learn so much more from these sessions and your peers and all the off time. Um, it's really- And you're going to learn about taxes. And you're going to learn, oh yeah, Debbie Boggs is doing you're one like, of taxes. Honestly, the trip has paid for itself tenfold. Like that's the- From last year, it. from what you learned? Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, check out the resaconvention.com. Check out all the speakers. We're going to have a couple different panels, one for newer people in the industry where experienced people, myself is going to be on that. Tori Toth, Kathy Hobbs. Do you know Kathy? Of course. Yeah. The legend. Isn't she great? She is. I freaking love her. She's a trip. I love her. We go way back, way back. I just, she is one... She is one of those people that my soul will always be connected to. We just had an experience many years ago and I just fell in love with her and just yep. my, my sister soul. She's reached out to my here soul. in New York. Yeah, she absolutely. Like living legend. Yeah. And um, so we're going to have a great time. Um, who else is on that panel with me? See, I'm even forgetting who it is that's on the panel with me. I think, I don't even know if we have this on the website yet. We're going to have one for six figures. It's going to be Annie Furlow, Red Bear Nuevo, and Barbara Hale Sonic. And I don't think my session's posted up yet, but it will be. But I think it's myself, Tori, um, Minol, Shamreen, and Kathy Hobbs and myself. So really good group of people. I mean, smart, smart people. So check it out. Until next time, everybody. Thank you, Jason. Bye, everybody. Thank you for watching. See you all in a few months. Happy staging, everybody. Take care. Bye, Shell. Thank you.